my cup. Think to be a decker, most to see Kalein and Farbein Top. Gate me pains of lint. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold. And this week we have part two of my interview with the extraordinary, the incredible uh, Sally Frischberg, who survived the Holocaust, came to America at 13. Her daughter, Leslie, who you will also hear on the podcast, is uh, a very good friend of mine, Leslie Wolfowitz. Uh, I think that last week, part one, and this week, part two, are my most important episodes I've ever recorded because as anti-Semitism rises, we need to hear these stories. And so I'm so proud to have her on. Also, this week I'm in LA for the Netflix is a Joke Festival. So uh, Friday, May 6th, I am at the Elysian Theater. I don't know how many tickets are left. Uh, at 7 p.m. So if you live in the L.A. area and you write to me and say, oh, my God, when are you coming to L.A.? Well, I'm here this week for the Netflix is a Joke Festival, Saturday at the Greek Theater for the standout comedy special. I mean, there's a lot going on. Take the time to please listen to this part two of this podcast. It's so important. Enjoy. How how far would you go each night? And did you have a compass? Far? Like, did you know where which no, direction? No, we didn't know where we okay. were going. Except my father kept aiming west. I okay. don't know. I used to say, "Why?" But what did I know? So anyway, we kept doing this and doing it, and we we I think we spent the rest of the summer doing. How many How many months? Do you think? Of, I I think. It was so, spring so through the fall, end of summer, right? Fall. Right, and then it wow. started to get cold. And you're living um, off the land. Well, yes. Walking every day to a new. Yes, we wash our faces and hands in that little body of water, and and are, in your mind, are you wondering why do we have to do we, this? I, I not only in our minds. I used to ask my mother, "Mommy." Who's in our house? And she'd say, I don't know. I don't think anybody's there. And I'd say, well, if nobody is there, why can't we go back home? And she'd have to explain to me. Uh, awful. Yeah. That's, that's how we lived. And the weather kept getting, getting colder. colder. And for a time, you can live with it. But it gets harder and harder. And when it was getting pretty hard, it was still fall, not winter. Uh, we just, we realized that we won't make it. This this can't lead us. Right. And Poland is a cold country. Oh, yeah. Like, a, like Russia. Europe, You're right. Yeah. Really. And uh, as a result of uh, this realization that we, we won't make it this way, we started considering going going to, to the, the Germans and, you know. Yeah, to the train, going give to up. the train We give yeah. up. We give up. Right, you win. Yes, We can't right. do this. Right. Okay. But you know that if you give up, you're going to die. Yeah. So you don't rush. You sort of delay, delay, delay. And then one night, as we are considering delay and we hear a whistle. 
And in my mind, that whistle is a magic whistle. But the truth is that that whistle is from Mr. Grucholsky, the man whose picture you saw. Who rescues them. Yeah. And uh, my mother and my uncle, who knew him from childhood. No, really? Yeah. Yeah. He was their neighbor. And when he was a little guy, he lost his parents. That was very common, losing parents when you were young. And when he lost his parents, his aunts and uncles used to come and take the younger ones. But these, uh, Mr. Grucholsky had a sister, Kasha. My mother always talked about her friend Kasha. I didn't know who Kasha was. Well, she was the older sister. And he and Kasha were living alone in the little house. And the aunts and uncles didn't Didn't pay attention to them. They, uh, I guess, felt they're old enough. Let them... And they uh, weren't old enough. They were children, Mm -hmm. after all. And my grandparents, without any kind of ceremony, uh, took the responsibility of being surrogate parents. Oh, okay. Through their own children. Mm -hmm. See, because my my relatives were playing with these two kids who had no one to take care of them. So my aunts, my grandparents saw to it that those kids were dressed, that they went to school, that they went to church, that they behaved properly. Right. And they welcomed them in their house. And these kids, like, became a part of my grandparents' family. So when you hear this whistle... So when my uncle and my mother hear the whistle, they say, that's our whistle, because all the kids were using it. See, this was the kids' way of communicating. It was their their telephone and the right, back. Right, right, right. So they recognized him. And did, uh, they, did, you, did they know they were going in the area of where he lived or no? No, no. He was coming he to was the area where we were He hiding. was looking for them. He went looking for, for oh his. Oh, my God. That's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So he broke curfew and he went looking for them. And, and he found us. And that is, and he would come and he would give them information. Don't go in that direction because the Germans are moving that way. So you head that way to stay out of harm's way, things like that. And he'd try to bring them food and whatever. And where were you? You were, uh, we were still in the, there's not not much room to go. (laughs) It's really a small country in a way. Right. But we, we made dates He said, I'll meet you at, and my father was fantastic geographically. Okay. If he told my father 10 feet from, right, my father knew where it was. You can give me the number and the block, and I don't know where I (laughs) But meanwhile, I know I'm the same way. But meanwhile, (laughs) they asked him to hide them. And first he said no. He said, I, I can't. My wife is too nervous. The penalty for hiding Jews in Poland was death. 
death for the person hiding them, death for the other people in the house, death for the children. They would kill the Jews. They would kill the the non-Jews who were hiding them. And he was scared. And he said no. And my the grown-ups pleaded with him. And he said, my wife is afraid. And they offered him everything that they had, which was not much. And finally... Well, it was everything we had. And some of it was very valuable. But nobody could use. My mother had a, a, an engagement ring that right. was very, very, a fur coat, uh, whatever they offered. But she couldn't have used it because, you know, right. we've told the whole story. They would have seen. And, yeah. yeah. But, my, but my grandmother said to him, if you don't help us, we will die. So he said yes. So one night... In so the I, dark. Well, I had but before, before he could do anything, he had a wife to contend with. Who's, when we came After to, he said yes. Yeah. No, no, he got before, her permission first. Yeah. It, we, before he could agree, she used to demand that he get rid of those Jews that he not go right. visit us, that he have, not, have nothing right. to do with us because she spent nights crying when mm-hmm. he was late. Right. And she she would say to him, who's more important, the Jews or your family? And he said to her, it had nothing to do with importance. Right. He said, they're human beings and they were very good to me and uh, therefore I have to... And he kept insisting. And then one night she said to him, this is it. You must make a choice. You can't have both. Either you choose your family and stay with us or you go to your Jews. And he said, I can't. I can't make that choice. And she said, why not? And he said, you won't understand. And she said, try me. Tell me why. What is it that drives you this way? And he said to her, because when I needed them, they were there for me. And now they need me. And I'm going to be there for them. Oh. Mm. And she said to me, she was now, now she was all worked up emotionally. She said, and I understood and I knew what he meant. And I said to him, I'll help. Wow. And when she said, I'll help, he brought us home. And you went, where did you live? Can you tell us, ever, you know, Yeah, where? sure. He, did we, I have a picture. I'll, I'll, you do? I'll, yes. Uh, so he uh, came and he lined us up. He said, single file, line up. You may not utter a word and you may not make a sound. Silence. The mommies must crush the sound of the babies because my, my baby sister and my cousins, the baby and their family, those were too little. They didn't understand quite. Right. He said, you must not allow them to make a sound. You must. Right. And we agreed to everything, of course. And he lined us up single file. 
and he walked us. We had no idea where to. I was wondering if he was walking us to the Germans. As a little girl, I understood that that was. And uh, we walked and walked and walked, and we arrived at his little farmhouse, small, modest, uh, and the, the door was opened, and uh, a lamp was held up, and we went through the door, up, 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 and when this initial group of two families was up, we discovered that we were in the attic, and in the attic there was straw or hay, both accommodation, all over in the out in the outer ring. Now those were our beds, and in the middle were a large uh, buckets. Those were our toilets. Oh. And this was our new home. Wow. And how many of you were up there? Uh, to begin with, it was our family. We were then four sisters because the, fir- the second of the twins died almost immediately. Oh. So she was no longer with us, but the rest of us were there. I, I love that picture. That's the house. That's the photo. That's the. Let me show everyone. And there's Wait the there's the attic. Wait a minute. I'm up doing there. A video. So, no windows. There were no windows, but there were slats. There were slats. See, these were our these were our windows. The track. The. Uh, wow. Cracks. Which meant in the winter there was no protection from the cold. And that that is my hostess, Mrs. Grocholsky. She that we visited. She took us her guests up to the main floor, and we sat in the attic and we talked. And she we, she was telling us what she remembered, and and you know her her memories are painful too. I bet. Yes. So, for example, if a neighbor walked in and a sound was heard from upstairs, they would smack their kids to distract from the sound that was heard. Oh, so the my. kids would cry. They'd make the children cry. To so that's in case. Right. When I remember once a neighbor came in and she was cooking our meal, which was uh, potatoes and and beans, lima beans, large lima beans. And she was, it was a big pot because we were a good number of people. And the neighbor said, my God, why are you cooking so much stuff? Look at that pot. And she said, my cow is sick, so I have to feed her cooked stuff. You know, you have to think. You have to think on your feet. Yeah. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which 
yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto. I just did Chef's Choice. 60 or more add ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep, there's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get... 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you're up there. There's a bucket and there's hay. Yes. And you can't make any noise and not a sound. The slats of the wood is the only sunlight you ever experience. There's no heat. You're, and the wind whips through. And you're sitting there for two years. Is that correct? Two years. And sometimes some of the men sneak down to get some something to increase our, our food. And uh, my father is one of those men, and he goes every night, or or not every night, but as often as possible, to to get whatever he to can. To get like fruit or he whatever. He goes yeah. back to his town, right? knocks on doors, and people give him things. Wow, what that is so dangerous. Of course, terrible, and he but he does it. And one night, oh, I remember distinctly one night. You know, in the morning, in the early morning, the some of the uh, uh, fowl make sounds, and they're not making the sounds, and I'm listening because I expect my father will come right. any minute, and he's not, and they're not making the sounds, and I'm certain that it's something happened to him. Yeah. 
And in the end, he did come. They made the sounds, he did come. But the next night, my father whispered to me that I am the one responsible for my family because he said, your mother won't be able to do it. My mother, after we lost, I I didn't describe the loss of our baby, but she changed. My mother changed considerably. For the twin. She gave her up. The mis- it was it was clear that she was dying. It was clear, and as a result, the decision was made by my parents that they must find a way to get help for her. But how? This is the remain the one twin that survived. Yes. So they decided to pack her up and plant her on the doorstep of the priest of our town because my father was friendly with him and my parents respected him for his wisdom and kindness. So they put the baby on his doorstep and he did not disappoint them. He found a young woman and the young woman agreed to mother my baby sister and uh, they might have made it, but they didn't make my sister did not make it. Oh, it you found out. She, no, no, she died. Oh, she died from yeah, her they, il- from her they, illnesses. They, they created a story for the town. Right. That this child is the chi- the child of this young woman's sister. Oh, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But and she the, was too malnourished. So she didn't so And she your didn't. mother. Uh, well, my who recovers changed. from that, you know? My, and so your father, so your, your, your father tells you you're responsible. What are you, 10? At this point, I'm not quite 10. Nine years Nine, old. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And he said, your mother won't be able to take care of your sisters. You must take responsibility. And oftentimes, if I am not able to, because what can I like? Right, I'm, right. I can do nothing. Uh, I feel very guilty. I say to myself, my father must be very disappointed in me. Right. Well, it's an, it's an enormous responsibility. Yes. So I know my mother's very disappointed in me as well. I'm disappointed in you too. <laughs> uh, so, but wait, I want to add one thing okay. that was very, a part of the story that I don't think you included that's very meaningful to me. So they go into the attic and there are four adults and seven children and the conditions are very bear and there's not really a lot of food because you know and the farmer is always looking for information and at some point he comes to my grandparents and he says your four brothers are hiding in the forest and they're really suffering these are the four brothers who are between the age of like 18 and 22 okay and they're really suffering and the family begs him to bring the four brothers into the attic with them. And he says, I can't. He said, this is already risky. And if we're caught, we'll all be killed. And my wife is ready to, she's so nervous. She can't even. She had a nervous breakdown. While they were hiding there. So he said, no. But every time when he comes up with that, with his little pot of food and he empties their chamber pot, they would beg him, please bring them in. Please bring them in. I mean, it's winter and they're freezing in the forest. 
And they say, please, please, we won't ask you for extra food. We'll make space for them up here. Please, please, please. And one night he says yes. Oh, well, because my mother made him a promise. She said, Stashik, you don't have to be afraid because you are protecting God's children and God will protect you. Big promise. (laughs) But anyway, he went and he found them. And he brought them into the attic with them. And so that's how the Grucholskis hid something like 15 Jews in their attic for two years. And so you're there for two years. You you have no privacy. Do you you can't speak to one another? What do you do? What do you do? How do you I daydreamed. I'm a great daydreamer <laughs> even today. I can sit in the car, my husband will drive, and he'll say, why are you so quiet? I'll say, I'm not quiet, I'm daydreaming. <laughs> oh, what a skill. <laughs> and every and there were no books? There was nothing? Nothing. My grandfather used to read the newspaper. Mr. Grucholsky would bring up the newspaper, and, and he would describe to me when I was a little girl. There was a little circle above right. and my father sat there, and he... Read, but by lip reading. Right. And, and we listened. I didn't understand, but the other, the adults. And did the days drag on? And endlessly. Endlessly. Endless. But then they were slowly starving. So now they didn't even have energy. Because I asked my mother this, and she said, they slept. And I said, yeah. and what did you do? She goes, we dreamt about food. Remember, Mom, You one time you said to me, people who are hungry... Just think about food. Mm. I mean, they were starving. And, and I ate piles of food. In big. your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was there any point during the day where you were allowed to make noise or say, how are you? Or No, no exceptions. No exceptions. No. No. <sighs> I and, know, I can't. And, and we were often, uh, you know, the... the Containers for our toilets were not always absorbing everything because we were, you know, we were many And you had no toilet paper or... Oh, we had nothing, nothing. We never washed, we never bathed. So you... We had lice galore, yes, yes. uh, How how do you... Survive. What? Ha- how does? What happens? The war. On you because you hope. You hope. You, you hope daydream. For release. Yes, you do. You and don't that, ever lose that. No, you don't. You you don't want to give up life, and therefore you keep hoping. And if you're lucky, you make it. And mm-hmm. we made it. And once we made it, we returned home. Eventually, we made it to the house. Do you re- can you describe the day you're rescued? Yes, Mr. Grucholsky came up, and he said, "You're free. You can well, go." Well, you you kind of knew because there was bombing. Remember, so you there was a lot of bombing going on yes, in the area, they, shelling. The town went underground. The citizens. So you're just in your thing, and you're and. You hear, start hearing bombs, but you can't say to each other. No, You're, we knew what they were bombs. We knew. Okay. Remember, we got the newspapers. Yes, yes. And my I got father you. knew the geography okay. so well that he knew within a mile right. where they're bombing. 
He he was fantastic. So anyway, um, Mr. Grocholsky finally returns with his family to the house because it's safe now. They had fled during the bombing. The Grocholskys took their house. How long had they they fled? Uh, For days. 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 Uh And when he... uh, Did you know they were gone? Oh, yeah. Silence reigned. Right. Yeah. He had four children. They made a racket, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, he uh, returns, and when he puts them to bed and everybody's asleep, he comes out. You're free. You can go. The Russians are here. What do you do? What do you Let's do? Go. We couldn't. We couldn't go. If you don't use your legs for two years, they don't work. So we figured it out. We crawled. And he told us exactly where to encounter the Russians, what the shortest path was, and we crawled over there. You all crawled on your hands and knees. So how did you get downstairs? You crawled down. He helped. He helped you get down. And what did your body feel like? We were weightless. We had lost all the weight. And you were wearing the same outfit. Yes. That you had put on two years before. Yes, filled with lice. He put us on the ground. Had you grown? Had you or did? No, we didn't grow. Wow. When we came to school and they measured us, they said, that can't be. They had a seat. Uh, We we were too short. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So you you crawled and then... And then I think, and now I think I'm falling asleep because it's nighttime. Right. We've been crawling. We're tired. I, we wind up on the wagons of the farmers who are beginning their early work because farmers start Right. And when we tell them where we're from, they deliver us there to our town because all of a sudden we're in the middle of our town and we didn't walk. Right. <laughs> so we the, the whole town came out to greet us. Oh. And they were applauding. And they, they were, were applauding. Yes. And you went to your house? Yeah. Was it, it was, still there? Uh, it was much diminished, much, but it was there. And, and we, had they taken everything out Everything of was destroyed and used. And because it was wartime, people didn't have fuel, right. so they burned the furniture. Oh. It was oh, it was awful. But we're home, and we're going to make an adjustment, and we're going to make life real again, blah, 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 blah. Well... A few months after, we get a visit, and the visitors say, the three young Pollocks, and they say, you're Jews. We don't want any Jews in Poland. Go back where you came from. 
Go to Palestine, you dirty Jews. If you stay here, we'll kill you. And by now we had heard that this was actually happening. Ugh. They were killing survivors. These these are now Hitler's dead. Yes. Uh, these are Poles. These are just Polish people. Yes. Who still believe who they they've learned their lesson right. and they believe it. Do something. They were indoctrinated. Yes. And they con- and so at this point your father is like we're out of here. Well, yeah, my father says uh, they mean it. And, and you know, we got we got confirmation of this in a moment. I'll tell you, but in the meantime, yes, we decide we're leaving Poland. Where are we going? We have nowhere to go. No money. Nothing. We went to the fields and we walked again, again, and we walked from country to country. We walked from. Poland, to Czechoslovakia, to Romania, to Hungary, to Austria, and we made it to Germany. And we went to Munich, and we looked for Mr. Arnold and found rubble, nothing. There's no Munich. And we found the American army. God Uh. bless the American army. And they came and they rescued. helped. And they said, you must make a decision of how you're going to start life again and live. And my parents said, doesn't matter. They were just they, lost. Yeah. And the soldiers insisted on a decision. And they said, what did we want to go to? Palestine. At that time, it was Palestine. Palestine, not Israel. And uh, we we didn't know. We thought it was a dream that it would never happen. And uh, that didn't work out. And one day my father said, if I thought that I will see my two brothers again, I would die happy. And they said, you have two brothers? And my father said, yeah. Where are your brothers? In America. You have brothers in America? Yes. Don't worry. You'll get them. You'll see them. (laughs) In no time at all, we were in America. Uh, (laughs) Ah. And a few years ago, my mother was speaking, and the children of that brother came to hear her speak. My mother's cousins. Right. And one of the cousins, Mona, told me that she remembered as a child her father thinking his entire family had been killed in Europe. And one day getting a phone call or someone showed up at the door, a telegram from Hayas saying, your brother Leon and his family survived. Will you sponsor them to come to Uh. America? And she said that. Her father, like, could not believe. I mean, it was just destruction of all of European Jewry. And the fact that his brother and three children and his sister-in-law all survived was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they came. They they went, they gave, like, $500 to pay to sponsor them. They filled out the forms. And you arrived here when you got to America. 
What did it feel? And what what about your parent? Were they? Did well, you feel safe? Were, did you? We felt my for my parents. It was a tremendous challenge. Of course, for us kids, it uh, you know, in in a couple of days, we were excited about being in America. But for my parents, it was a frightening challenge. But. They made it. My parents bought this house. This was their well, house. And this is a beautiful house. And this is where <laughs> Leslie's crying, by the way. <laughs> I mean, has probably heard the story a thousand times. And it's still to just to imagine your your mother in that situation. Yeah. It's so, uh, you're, you're amazing, Sally. <laughs> so you come to America and we, my aunt had been a school teacher before she became a mother. And she announced in English, she couldn't speak Yiddish. We only spoke Yiddish. And uh, she announced that the children had to go to bed because they're going to school tomorrow. And you're thinking, what, is she crazy? Right. <laughs> and they took us to school, PS 74, right on King's Highway. And uh, I remember distinctly coming into the class. I had no idea what was going on, not a word. Apparently, the teachers had the, the wisdom to inform their kids about what was happening because the kids were so good to us. They, they, took, they took responsibility. Right. They came and took your hand and took you to the next place. And the next, and within weeks, we picked up words. And within months, we were babbling. And the babble led to, led to learning, you know. Right. It became interesting. And then we, we struggled and we learned. And I remember I made it to high school. I didn't want to go to high school. I wanted to stay in elementary school. <laughs> well, but, of course. You had missed all those years. <laughs> but they said, no, no, no. sorry. No, you hey, you're too smart, Sally. So I went to high school. And in high school, they discovered that I didn't know math at all. I didn't know you how know it You <laughs> Can we discuss that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a very important part of my life. Yes. Because the math teacher in high school said to me, I think in Yiddish, but I'm not sure. He said to me, you're a smart little girl. You're going to learn. You're going to know. You will pay attention and you must learn. And you'll learn math too. I'm going to get you a tutor. I said, tutor? What's a tutor? And he told me what a tutor was. And I said, no, we don't have money. We can't have a tutor. He said, don't worry. I said, who will pay? He said, don't worry. I said, we have no money. And he said, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. And he got me a tutor without money. And I asked my tutor, why are you tutoring me? I, we have no money. He said, don't worry about it. He's going to give me a good recommendation for college oh. if I teach you math. So he taught me math, and he married me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you married each other. Oh. 
we've been oh married God, 67 years. Oh. And you that know, I so... often say that the things that seem like the worst thing, like when I heard that I couldn't learn math, that means I can't go on to school because right. I can't make college, I can't do anything. So I, I felt very depressed about right. it, and I foresaw myself as being an old, unemployed person. Right. And it turned out to be the best thing of my that life. That ever happened. Yeah. Beshert. Beshert. So did your parents ever feel 100% safe once they got here? My parents were good, but not my mother. Right. No, she never mo- got over. Oh, my, how can you? Yeah. So my husband, who loved my mother, says often that she was damaged. Right. But I'll tell a story. When Kennedy was assassinated, I was a little girl, and my mother was walking on Avenue J, the shopping avenue near the house, two blocks away. And I was in the stroller because I was about a year, and my brother was walking. He's two years older, so he's walking on the side of the stroller, and... My, my mother hears on the radio that the president has been assassinated. And we live in this house together with my grandparents. So my mother runs home and there's my grandmother waiting at the front door. And she said to my mother, this is 1963 and my family came to the United States in 47. And she said to my mother, what will become of us? Wow. Because she thought her, her reality was that another Hitler was going to take right, over. Or there's just going to be rioting in the streets right. and who's going to, you know, what will become of us? So did they ever feel safe? I mean, I knew them very, very well because right. I they lived until I was in my 20s. I think they felt safe. I didn't, we didn't grow up in a household filled with anxiety or anything, right. but there always was this awareness. As it is in me. Right. Of course. Right. And it will go to and, you and, and yeah. to your children. Right. And we should never, we should ever never forget. forget. Right. Never. And, right. and you can't close your eyes. And if it doesn't happen to the Jews, then it could happen to somebody else. Right. And that's why we can't close and, our eyes. And to that's why I can't take my eyes off the battles that are going yeah, on. Yeah, that are going on I now. I cannot understand how in a world where we were never going to let a thing like this happen again, this it's is happening. happening. And I will say as a, you know, when it, uh, uh, kudos to my mother. She has always felt an obligation to serve as a witness because that's part of her way to make sure it doesn't happen again. And th- that is why I wanted to have you here. And I I want to share your story with as many people as I can. Good. Good. And you are, oh, I love you. I love you too. Uh, because you're you're, the best. you and I work together. Um, we are working together. Right, to and, get. And Leslie and, and her daughter is. Uh, yes, your daughter, daughter and Le- your granddaughter works at the Holocaust did Museum. Did I ever mention that to no, you? No, you haven't mentioned it 4,000 times. <laughs> but you did good. You we, did good. We, we, tr- we have to keep trying. Yes. We have to keep trying. The world is a wonderful thing, but if we let it deteriorate to what right. to hell, then it's a terrible sin. Well, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you are more than welcome. Um, if you could say anything to these young kids. Um, I'll, I say it all the time. 
I say I'm here to tell you the truth. And this belief gives me strength because it's important that you know and that you do what needs to be done to prevent those who do harm. I, I that, don't, yes, I don't think there's any better that's way the to message. Yes. That's the message. That's the message. Don't let it happen. And don't sit back and no, watch. No. Tacoon. Whatever Olam. you can. Yes. Whatever you can, do something. But do something. Don't don't ignore. Don't neglect. Don't look aside. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with Sally Frischberg and her daughter, Leslie Wolfowitz. This was a joy, not in a, in a joyful way, but it was an honor to be able to uh, interview Sally. What a, what a story. What a fucking story. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Brittany Jo Sowards. If you haven't subscribed or left a review, I hate you. And you have to do it. It makes, you know, it gets more people to find the podcast. And I need five stars, five stars. Oh, by the way, my Uber rating went up to 4.5. And my Lyft rating went from a 5.0 to a 4.9. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm so nice and I tip. Anyway... Uh, If you haven't purchased my book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. You should, because as you can tell, if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you will know that I get in some trouble sometimes. Okay? Which is not good for things that I say, even though they are jokes. I also want to tell you about a great podcast that I think you're going to love. It's called Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive, which I love the work they do. It features stories and interviews centered around gender and Jewishness. Nahani Roos, Jen Richler, and Judith, I love that name, Rosenbaum, talk with guests about everything from Jewish female superheroes to underground abortion service. A recent episode features an interview with Eleanor Risa about how being the daughter of Holocaust survivors has defined her. For something a little lighter, in an upcoming episode, you can hear some smart, funny women, including yours truly, sound off on Yiddish words like Yanta and other zingers famously applied to Jewish women, of which I am a member of that club. Uh, you can find Can We Talk at jwa.org slash talk or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy. Well, thank you for listening to the end. Whoever's listening, let me pick my person who listens to the end. Jim Reardon, R-I-O-R-D-A-N, Reardon, Reardon. Uh, Listen, so I'm giving him a shout out for listening to the end because I can't believe you people stay on this thing and listen to the end. I love you for doing it. And I really appreciate it. And we want to keep the podcast going. So you have to tell all your friends about it. Okay. Follow me on Twitter, Insta, TikTok. Those are all at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm Jewish. And my, my uh, what's my, oh, it's called a, uh, it's called a website. Great, Judy. How's that brain coming along? Uh, my website, judygold.com. You can find everything out about me. And that's it. Uh, you know, it's getting warmer, but, uh, you know, I'd like it to get even warmer. And... 
I pray for peace, even though I don't really pray that much. But, you know, I hope I just can't with the Ukraine. I mean, can you believe it? It's just so awful. I just I don't know. It's just too much. Um, anyway, take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Do something nice for someone else. Go hear live comedy. It's so important that we laugh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And as we always say. So long!